is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We thank God for you today. We ask that you pause, that you just come in and join with us and that you would worship with us today and that you would um, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through his word. We thank you and we praise you, Lord God, for just another day. Lord God, we give your name glory, honor, and praise because it belongs to you and you alone. Father, we come to you today, Lord. Some may have heavy hearts. Some may have burdened down uh, hearts. Some may just be going through uh, so much turmoil and, and distress. But Lord God, your word says that you are a very present help in the time of trouble. Your word reminds us that we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Your word reminds us that we may be perplexed and distressed, but we're never cast out and forsaken. Your word reminds us that you're a strong tower and we can run into it and be safe. Your word reminds us that you are uh, uh, the head, that you have called us to be the head and not the tail. Your word reminds us that you'll provide all of our needs according to your riches and your glory in Christ Jesus. So Father, today we call upon your word. We, we, re, we relay your word back to you, Lord, to let you know that we're standing yeah. on your word, that your word is our strong tower. Mm-hmm. Your word is our healer. Mm-hmm. You seek your word and you heal yes, them. God. So, Father, we're calling upon those that may need yeah. healing. We're going to declare your word. Those that may need comfort, we're going yeah. to declare your word. Those that may need strength, we're going to declare your word. Yes, And we thank you and praise you that we can stand upon it. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would crown Pastor Marvin with wisdom and knowledge on this day for your glory, Lord God, to speak forth your truth, Lord God, to the nation, to the nation, to the nation. Let your word resound in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will or we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. We are just excited to be back with you on this beautiful, very cold day. But the good news is it's February and not December, which means we are closer to spring. Now, as you know, we are in the middle of Black History Month. Black History Month was initially Black History Week, and it was started by Carter G. Woodson. Black History Week was held during the second week of February to honor Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. It became Black History Month in 1976. In 1976, it became Black History Month. Can you believe that? I was born, I was around, I was actually 11 years old in 1976. And it seems like Black History Month has been around forever, but it has not been around for that long, being called Black History Month. But I need you to lock in, hang in with me as I begin to be led by the Holy Spirit to lay a foundation on this teaching, which is the black church matters to God. The black church matters to God. So go to Matthew chapter 16, and we'll begin at verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. And while you're turning there, I want to lay some context around this particular, around the gospel of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, which means he was probably very unpopular. Popular. He left everything to follow Jesus after he came to the conclusion that Jesus was the Messiah, the promised Messiah for, the, for, for Israel. Matthew, or the Jews, Matthew was authorized to write the gospel that bears his name, and its subject is very simple. It's about the king and his kingdom. 
It's about the king and his kingdom. Matthew was introducing, especially to the Jews, the message that God has sent his king, his Messiah, who would rule as the governor on earth by offering the kingdom to his people. So let's read, starting at verse 13, Matthew chapter 16. It says this, when Jesus came into the coast or the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men or people say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, or replied, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias or Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? He made it personal. Whom say ye that I am? And then Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, or you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus uh, answered or replied and said unto him, Blessed art thou, or you are blessed, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. And verse 18 says, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter or rock or you are a rock. And upon this rock revelation, I will build my church. And he goes on to say, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then verse 19 says, and I will give unto thee or unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou or whatever you shall bind or forbid on earth shall be forbidden or bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose or permit on earth shall be permitted or loosed in heaven. Now, Jesus affirmed this great confession of faith by praising God the Father for revealing this truth to Peter and then as a, and then subsequently he blessed Peter. Now that opened the door for an announcement from Jesus that something was so awesome that hell itself can't overpower was coming and he was talking about the church. Now I want you to get this, write this down, put it in your memory. No matter how much Satan attacks, the church will win and hell will lose. Let me say it again. No matter how much Satan attacks, the church will win and hell will lose. Now, the advance that the church, well, let me put it this way. The church exercising kingdom principles or kingdom authority will override hell's attempts to stop it. Let's go to verse 18 again, okay? It says, and, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my what? Church, right? And the gates of what? Hell shall will not prevail or get an advantage over it. Now, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, and it's a term used to refer to an assembly or a gathering of people and in the books of Acts, it was uh, especially for a legal purpose. Now, Dr. Tony Evans says this about the church. He says the church is like an embassy. The U.S. has embassies throughout the world, and, and the people working at an embassy are to live out the values and the laws of the U.S. as they represent their homeland in a foreign country. Each embassy, then, is a little bit of America a long way from home from home. Similarly, the church of the Lord Jesus is to adopt the agenda of its heavenly king and enact it on the earth. Jesus's church is a little bit of heaven a long way from home designed to withstand the authority of hell. Amen. Hmm. Hell's attempt to stop the church's progress in history is circumvented as the church executes Heaven's authority on earth. If we want to stop the onslaught of hell, we have to exercise heaven's authority in the earth. In other words, we need to be the church of Jesus Christ in this day and in this age. Yeah, I'm talking about this day. 
It's not a day gone by. It's not a day coming. I'm talking about right here, right now. God has called us as the church to, to, to establish the kingdom of God on heaven in, in, in the earth today. Now, I just want to let you in on a little secret just in case you have not caught it. The devil, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it because it's Black History Week and we're talking about the black church. The devil hates the black church. Okay? The devil hates the black church. Now, as 1 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 6, the New King James Version says this. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Now, there is the universal church, but then there are different churches that had to be birthed out of necessity. There were different churches that had to be birthed out of necessity. The black church was forced into existence. Okay? Hang in there with me. Hang in there where the black church was forced into the existence. You know why? Well, I ain't going to tell you why yet. I want to give you this nugget. The oldest black institution in America is the black church. You hear me? The oldest black institution in America is the black church. Oprah says, I love what the church offers to us as a culture. Black people in particular, we will be nowhere without the black church. Theologian James H. Cone said this. He said, black churches are very powerful forces in the African-American community and always have been. Because religion has been the one place where you have an imagination that no one can control. As long as you know that you are a human being created by God, I threw that in there, and no one can take that away from you, then God is that reality in your life that enables you to know that, that it's the one place where you can have an imagination. Frederick Douglass said this, I love the pure, peaceable, impartial Christianity of Christ. I therefore hate the corrupt, corrupt slave-holding, women-whipping, cradle plundering, partial and hypocritical Christianity of this land. That was Frederick Douglass. Now let me say this. No overview of American black history is complete without understanding the role of the black church in the United States. Now Maya Angelou said this. You can't really know where you are going until you know where you have been. You can't know, really know where you're going until you know where you've been. Now, the black church or the term black church refers to the body of Christian congregations and denominations in the United States that minister to predominantly black Americans as well as their collective traditions and members. The black church in the U.S. can be traced back to slavery in the 18th and the 19th centuries. Now, according to African American Registry, this institution was the first source of land ownership for black slaves in America and is viewed as the reason and savior of oppressed African people in America. Now, during the decades of Southern slavery in America, slave associations were a constant source of concern to slave owners. For many members of white society, black religious meetings symbolize the ultimate threat to white existence. Nevertheless, African slaves established and relied heavily on their churches. Religion offered a means of relieving emotional tensions as Africans retained their faith in God and found refuge, covering, shelter, in their churches. Now, I told you to hang in with me. However, white society was not always willing 
to accept and still does not accept the involvement back then slaves in Christianity or us now blacks in Christianity. As one slave recounted, the white folks would come in when the colored people would have a prayer meeting and whoop every one of them. Most of them thought that when colored people were praying, it was against them, which in all actuality, probably true. Amen. To get free from the oppression. Religious exercises of slaves were closely watched to detect, to detect plans for escape or an insurrection. Charles Johnson said, an insurrection, hear me, is merely an unsuccessful revolution. An insurrection is merely an unsuccessful revolution. And up, let me put it where the goats can get it in our day. We just had an insurrection and it was an unsuccessful revolution. That's what an insurrection is. And these slave masters or the white people of their day uh, were fearful of black folks coming together and, and staging an insurrection because black churches showed an air of militancy in the eyes of white Americans. In other words, it was something in us that said that we needed to be free. There was something that God had placed in us that we understood that this oppression and enslaving of people, human beings, was wrong. It was something within us that, that, that recognized that we were a free people that were enslaved by people and brought here to America. I heard it put this way. An African got up and got, went outside of his hut to catch a breath, and, and years and months later, he was in America as a slave. Hmm. Insurrections such as Net, Reverend Nat Turner's in Virginia, born out of real, religious inspiration of slaves, that horrified white Americans. Us being free today fully scares um, white America. Why? Because we, we excel in whatever we enter. We excel in whatever we enter. Understanding the potential end which could result from the religious experiences of Af African slaves, many white Americans opposed the participation of blacks in Christianity. In black American history, the church has long been the center of black communities. It has established itself as the greatest source for religious enrichment and secular debate development. Now, the black church is the most powerful social institution in the black community. It has been the one place that black people could have the power and exercise control without white intervention. Now, let me tell you this. Most of you know, if you don't know, that I was the son of a pastor in the black church. Uh, was the center of our union. It was the epicenter, actually, of our community. Not only Morning Star, but other black churches around. War Chapel were right up the street. War Chapel, in fact, has uh, a skating rink in it and a basketball court. I mean, it was the epicenter. That's where we learned. That's where we grew. That's where our friends were. That's where we learned. Uh, we did vacation Bible school, drama ministry, usher. We learned how to do choir. We, we did whatever we need. That was our social epicenter in our community. It was a place where we drew strength. It was a place where we fought, but, and it was a place that we came back together as a community where we discussed what was going on in our community, where we had, where we talked about everything under the sun. That's where we grew up. And, and it was a tight knit community. No matter what church you went to, we fellowshiped with other churches. Other churches fellowshiped with us. And it was, and that, now I realize and recognize and I thank God for that time that I had to be involved in the church because I believe we were part of the last uh, 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 the last the, the, the last generation that had that close knit family, the community of the church because the devil didn't like it. So he attacked the community. And the reason why the church has changed now is because the community has changed from the attack of the enemy. 
in the 80s, crack hit our community, destroyed our community, which in result destroyed or tried to destroy the church. However, God always has a remnant. And he already said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, the black church is a misnomer because it implies that all black churches share or have shared the same aspirations and strategies for creating cohesive black communities. Black people or black churches are not a monolith. There are many differences found and diversities, as we read in 1 Corinthians, in the church. Now, the black church was organized politically and spiritually, and black churches were not only given to the teachings of Christianity, but they were faithfully relied upon to address specific issues which affected their members or the black community. The one thing that black churches did have in common is this and do have in common or did have in common was their religion, relationship, the community and the home. All of that was common in the church. And, and scholars have repeatedly asserted that the black that black history and the black church history overlap enough to be virtually identical. Now, we always talk about black history and those who have contributed and the inventions that were contributed to black history. One of the things that have been left out until this year was talking about the black church. The, one of the first known black churches in America was created before the American Revolution around 1758. And it was called the African Baptist or the Bluestone Church. This house of worship was found on the Williamburg Plantation near Bluestone River, Mecklenburg, Virginia. Black people in America also supported the autonomy of their congregation. In other words, they had they were able to make decisions, make decisions who was in leadership, who served, and how, what kind of church that they were going to be that they did not have outside of the building. Now, when the Confederacy, in, when Confederacy ended, it signaled freedom for millions of black Southern slaves and prompted the the emancipation of the black church. In other words, the black church was free to spread as it would. And guess what? It did, and it's still going. Amen? Now, and then I'm getting ready to go into some other parts of the teaching, but I want to say this. Many black churches discreetly doubled as stations on the Underground Railroad. They became the one place for black Americans to find refuge. And black, after, after the Confederacy and after the Emancipation Proclamation, blacks moved away from the hush harbor that they, were, they retreated into uh, before the Emancipation. So they spread rapidly throughout the South, and the Baptist churches led this proliferation. And so uh, the church, after the Emancipation, Proclamation after the slaves were free began to spread. And when that began to spread, it began to spread to the black communities. And black communities began to grow and to address their situation. Amen? The black church matters to God, so let's go in deeper. The question is why did God have to give birth to the black church in America, especially since? The Bible says he is not a respecter of persons. Now, people try to use that argument all the time. Well, God is God of everybody. Yes, he is. But God has specific callings and specific gifts used at specific times in different seasons for specific purposes, his purpose and his will. All right. Ella Baker said in order to see where we're going, we must not we not only must remember where we have been, but we must understand where we have been. Now, I'm getting ready to say some stuff that's going to probably blow your mind. That's okay. No one really knows when the concept of white people came about. It could have been a descriptive term spoken in various languages dating back to 
European encounters with indigenous peoples of the New World, especially those in what became South America and Africa in the 15th and 16th century. Members of the, I'm going to say this word, I'm going to try, Juan Paneag, <laughs> I know I said it wrong, Juan Paneag nation uh, might have used the word translated white as English people stepped off the Mayflower and onto Plymouth Rock. As laws change to reflect the changing demographics of colonial North America, English and Protestant Europeans were described as Christians or baptized. But this system created a dilemma once Africans were introduced into Virginia and the Maryland colonies in 1619. The Christian baptismal rite was used as, social, as a social control mechanism to bring black people under the precepts of the church, especially to its dictates of subservience to one's master. Professor Henry Winthrop Jordan concluded, from the first, the concept embedded in the term Christian seems to have conveyed much of the idea of feeling of we against they. To be Christian was to be civilized rather than, barbar than bar barbarous, or barbarous, English rather than African, white rather than black. It seemed to be civilized rather than barbarous, English rather than African, white rather than black. Now, here it is. God the Father gave birth to the black church, and the black church matters to God because it, made, because it is made up of black people, and black lives matter to God. Let's go deeper. Black lives matter to God. For too long in history, in the history of Western civilization, civilization persons of African descent have, have been stereotyped in negative ways which caused us to question not only our identity, but also our part in God's plan of salvation. Now let's go to Genesis. Chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse number 26 and 27. And it says this. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the, the fowls, fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27 says, so God created man or created human beings in his own image. In the image of God created he them or him. Male and female created he them. Now, you must consider, as I read this passage, that the Bible of ancient biblical lands, that the maps of the ancient biblical lands, not in the Bible, there is not one single mentioning of England, of Germany, or even America as a matter of fact. By contrast, several countries of Africa are mentioned again, such as Egypt, Ethiopia, and Libya, as well as others. Now, an, an Egyptologist, a famous Egyptologist, Professor uh, Bredstedt, he said that the social and moral development in the Nile Valley is 3,000 older, 3,000 years older than that of the Hebrews, and it contributed to the formation of Hebrew literature. The moral heritage comes from a past that is older than the Hebrews, which means it comes to us through the Hebrews, not from the Hebrews. Okay? We just read that God created man in his image and his likeness, and we also uh, um, said that, and, and then look at verse chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the what? Dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became what? A living creature or a living soul or a living person. God made both man and woman in his image. Neither man nor woman is made more in the image of God than the other. From the beginning, the Bible places both man and woman at the pinnacle of God's creation. Now, 
Neither sex is exalted or and neither is depreciated. And this very dust found in chapter two, verse seven was envisioned as the soil of African of Africa. Accordingly, man was African Edenic. Now, the garden was not Eden Africa. It was in Eden Africa. Let me repeat that so the goats can get it. The garden was not Eden Africa. It was in Eden Africa. So what are you saying? The soil or the dust of the ground came from the soil or the dust of Africa. You hear me? The Bible tells us that there is one father God and one mother earth. And mother earth is Africa. Black lives matter to God. And when I say black lives matter, I'm not talking about an organization or a movement. I am talking about actual black lives. The black church matters to God because it's filled with black people and the original creation. All men, as the as science has proven, come through Eve and Eve created out of the dust of the ground. I mean, out of the ribs of Adam, who was created out of the dust of the ground of Africa. Do you get it? Black people matter to God. And because the church is filled with black people, the black church matters to God. And it's not from some spiritual by and by, which is good, but it's because the black people came from out of the dust of the ground in Africa. And I've said this before on a couple other occasions. Could it be the reason why we are we have to struggle, the reason why we get so oppressed by other people, the reason why we get suppressed and treated wrongly by other people, could it be that because we are created in the image of God that the devil does not like us because we are the closest thing in all actuality to God's image. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against God's church, which is filled with his people. The gates of hell will not prevail. Why does it, you know, another reason why? The black church matters to God because the black church's mission is the same as Jesus's mission. The black church's mission is the same as Jesus's mission. Let's go to Luke chapter four. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter four. The black church matters. God. Luke chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 14. And it says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into what? Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up for his boyhood home. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse 19 says, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, or another translation says, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus, if you remember this, was born into poverty. The government was oppressive. And he would ultimately be unjustly convicted and would face capital punishment. 
if you think about it, that is the story of being black in America. Being born, and, and I'm not saying that as the year has gone by that black people have never prospered, but I, I heard an earlier um, um, illustration by the late, now late, Casey Price. He said, after the Emancipation Proclamation, black people were supposed to get 40 acres and a mule. So, but then legislation came where they didn't receive the 40 acres and the mule. He said he was playing Monopoly with the game Monopoly with his family. So he won and everybody on the table gets a certain amount of money. I think it's $1,500. He said this, I wanted to start with no money while everybody else had $1,500. And he said, I went a couple of times around the board to survive, but after that third time, he had to end. We as black people, when the Emancipation Proclamation happened, when we were freed, we were given nothing to start. So Jesus could identify because he was born into a similar situation as black people. And his mission was to do what? As the Bible says, to preach the gospel to the poor, to, send, to heal the broken heart, to preach, preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The black church made up of black people is the only entity in America that can identify with Jesus in that regard. Jesus and the black church has been anointed to carry out this mission. The late great John Lewis said this, our struggle is not a struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. As I said before, the devil hates the black church, but the black church needs the same spirit Jesus had to navigate through the struggle and get into good, necessary trouble. Let's look at the spirit, the same spirit that Jesus had. Look at um, uh, verse 18 again. It says this, verse 8, part 8, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit had descended on him. And from that moment, he had been full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, as it said in that chapter, and ministered in the power of the Spirit as this chapter began with. So let's go deeper into what being full of the Holy Spirit means. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And it says this in chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and the branch shall grow out of his roots. And verse number 2 says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear or reverence of the Lord. When you are full of the Holy Spirit, it means you have the spirit, you have a sevenfold spirit. And that means you have the spirit of the Lord, which is the supernatural power source that creates God's thoughts in your heart. You have a supernatural power source that creates God's thoughts in your heart. You receive a spirit of wisdom, which is all God's supernatural thoughts themselves. You receive the spirit of understanding, which is God's personal illumination of those thoughts. You receive the spirit of counsel, which is God's personal instruction so that you can make godly choices. In other words, you have hidden the word in your heart. You receive the spirit of strength, which is God's supernatural ability to perform those thoughts 
in your life, God's thoughts in your life. In other words, you will be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have the spirit of knowledge, which is seeing God's thought, thoughts manifest, manifested in your actions. That means this. You will see the invisible become visible. And the last part, and then you will move in the fear or reverence of the Lord, which means you are walking in God's love and truth, fleeing from anything that would quench his spirit. Being in the fear of the Lord does not mean that you are going to be afraid of God because God does not give the spirit of fear. It means this, that you have reverence for God. In other words, you revere God, you honor God by what you do with your life. And, you, and, 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 and so just to recap, just to recap, because I said a lot, you have the spirit, when you receive the spirit, you have the spirit of the Lord, and that's your supernatural power source. You receive the spirit of wisdom, which is God's supernatural thoughts in your life. You receive the spirit of understanding, which is God's personal illumination of his thoughts. You have the spirit of counsel, which is God's personal instructions that come from his personal book. You have the spirit of strength, which is God's supernaturally, supernatural ability to do what God needs to be done. Yes, it's true. The Lord will fight your battle, but God empowers us as his believers to do some things too, or else he would not have given us the Holy Spirit. And you have the spirit of knowledge, which is seeing God's supernatural thoughts manifested. And then finally, you move in the fear or reverence of the Lord, which is walking in God's love and truth. So let me put it where you can get it. If Jesus, hear me now, needed the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You hear me? If Jesus needed the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The black church needs the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed it. Let's go back to Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 again. It says this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he did what? Anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus was here claiming to be the Lord's anointed one in Hebrew, and the Messiah in Greek. And in Greek, the anointed one in Hebrew is Messiah, and the anointed one in Greek is Christ. The king whom, the king whom Israel had been longing for had finally come. His mission and the black church's mission are to preach the good news of God's kingdom to the poor. The poor are either those who are destitute and in need of physical things, or those who are poor in spirit. Jesus mentions the poor more than 400 times in the Gospels. Jesus had come to set the captives free, open blind eyes, set free the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor is another name for the year of Jubilee. Jubilee is a symbol of social and economic liberation of God's people. The key to understanding the year of Jubilee is that it was inaugurated by the Day of Atonement when the issue of sin was addressed and taken care of through the blood of Jesus. In other words, Spiritual transformation is the foundation for the legitimate social and political and economic restructuring of society. Jesus was political, but he was not partisan. Why? Because he had his focus on ministering 
to the poor, to those who are brokenhearted, those who are captive and recovering the sight to spiritual blindness, to set at liberty those who have been beat down. Jesus' preaching then addresses both the content of the gospel, which is his coming, his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sin, and the scope of the gospel, which is the impact this good news should make on issues of biblical justice, the equitable and impartial application of God's moral law in the culture. This is good news for those in economic crisis, the poor, in political crisis, the captives, the social crisis, the oppressed. The black church needs to get back to the original intent which God had purpose for it, which is to speak to the content of the gospel and address the scope of the gospel, not just address the content or just preach about Jesus' coming, death, burial, and resurrection, but also to address the social ills upon the community that's being oppressed. The bottom line is the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preaches to save us from hell, but it also should save us from making a kingdom impact on this world through our social justice work or fighting for justice that will bring glory to God and the benefit to people. The gospel that Jesus preached saves us from hell, but it also provides for us to make kingdom impact on the culture to address the social justice needs of the community. God, the black church matters to God. It was birthed by God to not only to address the sin sickness, but also the heart sickness. And guess what? The black church still matters to God. The black church still matters to God. Why? It's made of a black people and black people are important to God. And because the black church has the same mission as Jesus Christ. We have been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. We have been anointed to heal the broken heart. We have been anointed to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty, to set them free who have been bruised. The black church matters to God. Don't let anyone take that away from you if you are part of the black church. For too long, we have allowed the black church to become some sort of pariah. It's time for us to get back to the original intent of God as the people of God because it still matters. And guess what? The gates of hell will not prevail against her. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before your presence, Lord. We repent right now, God, for getting sidetracked from the original intent that you had for us as your people, Lord God. We pray, Father, right now, God, that we would apply this word to us right now, that we would do and be what you need us to be in this dark hour. The community needs the church. The black community needs the black church. Not to be in the background, but to be the leader. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for this time. We thank you, God, for this word. We thank you, God, for this season even now, God. 
you are reminding us that you're calling your church back to you, God. To reconnect to you. To reconnect to the vine. Because disconnected from the vine, we can do nothing. In the mighty name of Jesus, we praise you. Amen. Praise God. If you'd like to sow into our ministry, please follow the link or mail it to 2828 West Flint Street, right here in Peoria, 61604. And also, this coming, coming this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, on PBS, Dr. Henry Louis Gates has put together a black history event on the black church. Now, I didn't have not seen it. I don't know what they're going to say. However, they have gotten Reverend William Barber. They have gotten a lot of black individuals to be a part of this event. We at the Peoria NAACP, we are actually a co-sponsor for the being shown here. So take time. Either watch it or DVR it. It's important to our history. Black church history is a part of American history. And we cannot lose our history. Also, be in continued prayer for our country. And as I mentioned before, for the family of Dr. Our Apostle K.C. Price, his family. Be in prayer for our country. Be in prayer for our frontline workers. Be in prayer for those who are still battling COVID. Be in, be in, be, be, be in prayer for, for the homeless. Be in prayer for all those who are bereaved right here and right now. I ask you to stay safe and I ask you to continue to mask up. Even if you got the vaccine, continue to be safe. Be, be prayerful, but also still remain careful. So let us not leave malice in our hearts. But let us leave with love for one another. Let us leave with a prayer, not for ourselves, but for others. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. You are blessed going out, and you are blessed coming in. The enemy, he comes in one way, but he has to flee seven ways. Why? Because you are blessed. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are the lender, and you are not the borrower. You are are blessed. So I speak life to you. I speak life to your family. I speak life to your health. I speak life to your finances. Under grace, you are blessed. Larissa and I love you. Be blessed.